This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website www.anchorchurch.com.au Gratefulness and generosity. Um, These are two things that um, over my adult life I've struggled with at certain seasons. Um, you know, whilst I have always known I should be grateful for, for God's provision, um, there have been times when I've been, you know, thinking, well, I haven't got enough, I need more, I've got teenagers, they're costing me lots of money, etc., etc. And there have been times when, um, whilst I've had a heart for generosity, I've not been generous. Um, and I don't know if you've ever struggled with those two, two things, but I have over my, over my adult life. Um, let me just grab my notes here. So as I look at what was behind um, those seasons where I struggled with um, being grateful and being generous, um, there were two key themes. So number one was my relationship with Jesus wasn't where it needed to be, Okay various reasons for that. Um, but the second one was that I simply wasn't being a good steward of God's provision for me. So in everyday language, I wasn't managing what I had. I wasn't managing my money well. Um, and it's important that we... I was talking to Mal last night and we were, he was just, we were just kicking around some of the stuff I was going to talk about today. And... Um, you know, he was saying that uh, with generosity, you, know, you come across people in life who will give you the shirt off their back. Some have another shirt to put on, others don't have another shirt to put on. They've given you the only one they've got. Um, and if we look at generosity in, you know, in our context, um, you're in a better place if you're able to be generous in a planned, considered way. In other words, you have a heart for generosity, you've got a... Um, a plan, a structure that allows you to be generous um, without putting yourself in a position where you're compromised, where you don't have a shirt on your own back, okay? Um, So as we look at the, um, I guess, the theme of radical, as Mal said yesterday, radical implies um, something extreme. Um, We're not going to do anything extreme today, okay? There may be some of you here that um, are really concerned about your level of skill, competence in how you manage your personal finances. Um, there some, might be some that think that, you know, you're, you're okay. Um, so what you'll get out of today's session, I think, will vary greatly. Um, some might just get a few reminders, a few tips. Um, for others of you, you know, it may be a, a bit of an aha moment, but we'll, we'll see how we go. Um, yeah, my qualification, I guess, for um, standing in front of you today, apart from the fact that I've been around the block a few times, um, so I've experienced um, moments of, uh, of, of real gratefulness, so I've experienced moments of real generosity, where I've been able to live out my heart of generosity. Um, I've also had the other end of the uh, spectrum as well, so that's number one. Number two... Um, I do have adult children and I've done a bit of coaching with them on the stuff we're going to talk about today uh, to try and help uplift their their basic money management skills. Number three, um, Monday to Friday I work in an industry where I manage um, very, very large uh, contracts 
and these are contracts in the hundreds of millions of dollars. So um, most of the numbers I deal with every day have many, many zeros on them and I have to manage a budget at work. So in, in business terms, it's revenue, it's cost and it's profit. So it's, you know, we use different terms, um, but your personal finances are really no different. Your revenue is sort of your income, um, your expenses are your expenses to operate whatever it is you're operating, in your case, your life, in the business case, you're operating the business, you're delivering a service, um, profit, you might call it surplus in your, um, in your own personal circumstance. Um, and number four, um, I have been trained by an organisation called um, Christians Against Poverty that some of you might be familiar with. And they have a program called Cap Money and it's very specifically about trying to teach people basic money skills. Now, we're not going to cover Cap today. Cap have a very specific formula as to how they, um, they do their courses. Um, so whilst some of the principles are the same, because there's only so many ways you can uh, instruct on, on, on budgeting um, and money management, um, this is not CAP, okay? Um, and the last thing I'll say as part of the intro is, of course, none of this is personal financial advice for any of you, because um, I don't know your personal situation. Um, this is general, um, general information, okay? So let's get into it. Oh, sorry, just one thing I wanted to cover before we, before we actually dive in. Um, you know, we talked about the impact of you know, poor money management on gratefulness and generosity, but what are some of the other broader impacts that poor money management can have on us and those around us? Stress, Stress yeah. Sorry? Debt. So credit, you know, running up credit cards, moving money between credit cards. Yep. Poor witness, yep. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, if you want to catch up with for coffee or lunch with um, a non-Christian friend and you go to the wallet and there's nothing in there, um, it makes it a bit difficult, yeah, okay. Um, obviously, if you're in a, in a marriage, um, relationship stress. Um, if you're not paying your bills, your phone starts ringing, you know, you get debt collectors on your tail um, and that's not a very pleasant thing either. There's a whole lot of and this is a bit of a cyclical thing, you know, if, if you get into that bad place, it's likely to affect your relationship with Jesus, it's likely to affect your, um, your view on, on gratefulness and it's very likely to affect um, your heart for generosity as well, okay? So let's dive in. Now, I promise any of you that are used to sitting through PowerPoint presentations, there are not a single chart in here that has dot points. Okay, there's no dot points. I thought I'm not going to submit anyone on a Sunday morning to dot points. <laughs> All right, so there's lots of bubbles and moving parts. So I've, I've tried to keep it moving so that uh, boredom won't set in. All right, so basic aspects of good money management. Number one, you've got to have some clarity around your objectives and priorities. What is it at this season in my life that I'm, that I'm focusing on? What do I want to be doing? Am I, am I saving for something? Am I um, in a very tight income situation, therefore I really just need to be focused on um, essentials? Now, do I want to save for a holiday? Do I want to... Um, whatever, okay? So I'm not going to tell you what your objectives and priorities should be, but all I'm saying is that before you enter into this whole thought process, you've got to have some clarity around what are the things that are going to guide and influence 
my decision-making, okay, around how I am going to structure the spending of my money. Number two is a budget. So we've all heard the term budget, and we're going to drill down a bit deeper into what that means and what the components are. Um, but you must have a budget, okay, which is a plan for how you're going to spend what you have. And then lastly, most importantly, you must have a system that will implement your budget. Now, if I reflect back on people I've known, my own children, my own experience, and I look at these components, there's traps across all three, okay? There's people that go, yeah, we need a budget, but they actually forget about thinking about objectives and priorities. What is it that's going to drive my decision-making? What's going to influence me to decide that that's good spend for now, that's not good spend for now? Um, with budgets, I've seen many people get really excited about a budget, and they do the whole thing, and then they go, yes, I've got a budget and then nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing. Or they go that one step further and they drive looking in the rear vision mirror, okay? So they will have a budget, then they'll just go and spend, 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 and then they'll come back at the end of the month and go, hmm, I wonder how that spending corresponded with my budget. So you're driving looking in the rear vision mirror, okay? What a system that will implement my budget is about is about driving looking out the front, okay? So you're going to put the mechanisms in place that are actually going to make your budget real um, and are going to help you deliver on your objectives and priorities. And then lastly, there must be a feedback loop. We must be reviewing and adjusting. So very rarely do we go for long periods of time without our circumstances changing in some way. Okay, you go from being a uni student to um, being working full-time, you get married or you have a baby or whatever it might be, your circumstances change, you get a pay rise, so it can be good stuff. Well, not that ba having babies is not good stuff, but um, it's not good stuff for the budget, I know that much. Um, so as these things change, this can't be a, a total set-and-forget system. You must have that looping around where you review and adjust. So my objectives and priorities have changed now. Um, I've got more income. Let's look at, look at that one. I've got more income. How are we going to accommodate that in the budget? Are we going to just put that straight to savings? Are we going to increase our giving? Are we going to... What are we going to do? Okay. All right. So objectives and priorities, as I said, I didn't want to drill down too much on this um, other than saying that it's a necessary step, it's something you need to do, you need to have clarity. There's no, I, I can't think of, and I was trying to think of a model, a framework that I could take you through to help you get some shape and structure around that. Um, I don't know if there is one, okay? You just gotta sit and think and just write some stuff down, okay? Because when you get to the next step, which is your budgeting, you will need it to be able to make some decisions, okay? Especially if you, your first cut of your budget has you in deficit rather than surplus, okay? And you need to start getting the red pen out and stroking stuff out. All right, so we're going to drill down on budgeting now. Um, we're not going to... Those of you that hate spreadsheets and hate numbers, we're, I'm not going to do any spreadsheeting, albeit I have cut and pasted some stuff into here just so that we can actually see what we're doing, okay? All right, so what is a budget? So we all know a budget is an estimate. It's an estimate of income, it's an estimate of expense, and it's um, an estimate of how we're going to manage 
those things um, going forward. All right? So in concept, everyone understands it. So let's just drill down a bit further. So income. Income is obviously what we get paid for doing our jobs. Um, it's any government benefits we get. Um, any, um, any of you are lucky enough to have uh, distributions from family trusts or anything of that nature. Um, any money that's coming into your household, into you as an individual, is income. All right? Nice, simple concept. I think we all understand that one. Second, expenditure. This is all money going out. So this is paying your rent, this is paying your phone bills, your utilities, it's your groceries, it's buying clothes, it's paying for your phone, it's doing whatever, okay? Expenditure. So I think we, I hope most of us sort of get that concept. And the last one is, is saving, and I mean saving here in the sense of, of dedicated and planned saving. So not, um, not, oh, I've got some money left at the end of the month. That's not saving, okay? That's just, that's just surplus. Um, saving where, as part of your objectives and priorities, you've, and your budgeting, you've identified that we want to save for a purpose. So whether it's saving for buying a house, it's saving... Um, for giving of some sort, it's saving for a holiday, saving to buy a car, whatever it might be, okay? So three components to budgeting, income, expenditure and savings. So what we're going to do now is we're just going to drill down a little bit into sort of the budgeting process, so stick with me, because um, it is important, um, and I'll try and make it uh, as interesting as I possibly can. All right, so building your budget. So three-step process. We're going to do a first draft, and we're going to go through that process very quickly. We're not going to be plugging. I've, I've prepared one earlier, so we don't have to um, sit here and bang numbers into anything. But you've got to prepare a first draft, and that's all about just trying to understand, and you've got to do a little bit of homework here, okay? You've got to look backwards. You've got to pull out some, you know, do your bank statements, look at your credit card, look at your pay slips. You've got to do a little bit of research, so this is not something that you can do in five minutes. And you've got to sort of reconstruct, based on the immediate past, what your, what your spend patterns look like. You know, where's my money going? All right? Then you've got to ask yourself the question, okay? You look at it all and go, is my income greater than my expenses and my planned or dedicated saving? Um, and if it is, good. If it's not, you've got to go and do a bit more work and we'll go through that. Um, and that's the balance your budget bit. So we're going to talk a bit about balancing your budget, which is making sure that income exceeds, exceeds expense. All right, so let's just look at step one. So we're going to prepare our draft budget and we're going to look at income. Now, one of the things that I personally, and this is just a personal thing, one of the things I personally like to do um, when budgeting, especially doing the draft budget, is to have the flexibility to put numbers in to my budget based on how I think about that expense, all right? So if I think, so this is income, so it's a little bit different, and it's a bit more, maybe I'll leave that concept till later. So when you're talking about income, so Fani and Louise um, are, got jobs, and Louise gets paid weekly, Fani gets paid monthly, you just bang the net income into into here, okay? So, Fani, you're doing all right. $4,000 a month. 
and Louise, you're um, 800 per week, all right? So at this stage, you're not trying to convert anything from one frequency to another. What do I get paid? How often do I get my pay in the bank? Um, and that's how you do it. You need to make sure you capture everything here. So as I said, any government benefits, any you know, family trust, any, anything that's regular. So if you've got great parents and they're just sort of flicking you $100 every week, you know, stick that in there as well. <laughs> All right, then we get to the more complex bit, which is expenditure. And so just to pick up on the point that I half made earlier, um, with expenditure, I find it useful to capture expenditure here at this stage of the process in the frequency in which you think about it, okay? So with some of it, it's easy. So say you've got your internet on at home, you get billed monthly, okay? So that's a, that's a given. It's going to be a monthly bill, so it's $60 a month. My electricity might be variable. It's going to be seven. Um, $70 a month, oh sorry, my rent, anyone paying $500, a, I should have had that a bit higher. Um, so $1,000 a fortnight, that's, that's the transfer that comes out of my account to the agent is fortnightly at $1,000. Um, your anchor giving, so if you do your anchor giving on a monthly basis, you'd stick it in that column, if it's fortnightly or if it's weekly, just put it, the frequency on which you do it today, okay? Just bang, bang that number in. You know, one of the traps I think I've seen before is that people start at this stage dividing by twos and timesing by 52s and dividing by... Forget all of that. Just think about how you, how you deal with that expense today, what it looks like, frequency that it's on. And so on and so forth. Now, a couple of things I want to focus on here. Um, there are a number of expenses. When you get down to sort of this stage of your budget, there's, there's, you get to the nebulous stuff, okay? Now, I was talking to a young person, um, not from Anchor, uh, from somewhere else a few months ago, and they said to me, oh, we're going to six weddings this year. And I'm thinking, six weddings? That's like six presents, there's bucks and hens nights, there's... Sorry? New outfits. <laughs> All right? And generally with weddings, you get some amount of notice. So by the time you hit sort of December, you sort of know, okay, I've got six next year. All right? Now, so how do you put that into your budget? Okay, you've got to put it in your budget because you know it's real. Okay? You can't just ignore it and go, oh, yeah, I'll somehow figure that one out. You've got to put it in your budget. So I'm not suggesting that $500 is the number for six weddings, but... We've put it in the right-hand column, which is the annual column, okay? So I've just said, okay, I'm probably going to have to spend in 2018 $500 on gifts and related costs for those weddings that I've got to go to, all right? So there's those sort of nebulous ones, all right? Then you've got things that are annual. So things like car rego, um, maybe your licence you pay annually, they go into the annual column, and we'll talk about how we handle those later. Things like car maintenance. So car maintenance, you don't know when your car's going to break down. You might know when the rego's due, therefore, when you're going to do a service. Um, you might have a look at the tyres and go, mm, I can get another six months out of those. But you sort of don't know when the expense is going to drop. So my suggestion is you try and, based on past experience, you try and find a number that over a 12-month period would accurately represent 
what that spend is likely to be. All right, and then you bang that in. Same with holidays. Um, so if you want to go on a holiday this year, not that Enco Getaway is a holiday. I guess it's a holiday, sort of a holiday. Um, I'm going to go to Anchor Getaway. I'm going on a three-day cruise in July. I'm going to Bali in August. Um, yeah, I'm going to Bali in August. <laughs> um, and just put an annual number in there, and you'll understand why, how we're going to treat those a bit later. All right, savings. So savings pretty easy. So we've thought about our objectives and priorities. So as part of that, one would have expected we would have come to a conclusion that we want to put some money away for purpose A or purpose B. And this is where we want to capture it here. Now again, the frequency that we put the number in depends on perhaps we may want to align it to how our income comes in, which is what I've done here. So Farney has said, well, of my 4,000 a month, I think we want to put away 500 for purpose A. Um, and Louise has said, I get paid weekly, I want to put $100 away for purpose B. All right? And that's our draft budget done. Everyone with me? Yep, good. All right, so we've done our draft budget. Next step is, is income greater than expenditure and savings? So this is a really easy maths equation. All right, what we've done here, and let me just spend a few moments just explaining what I've done. So the right-hand side here is the bit that we've done. That's our draft budget. What I've now done is I've calculated those numbers using three different views. A weekly view, a fortnightly view, and a monthly view. So those three columns are the same. They're the same numbers, but just a weekly view, a fortnightly view, and a monthly view. And again, I like to do it that way because different people think about life in different ways. I get paid monthly, so I, I just think monthly. Okay, that's everything I think monthly. So I'd go straight to the monthly column, and I'd go, oh, Terry, uh, you know, our mortgage or rent is 2,166 per month. That's how my brain just processes it, because it relates to how I'm paid. Um, so we all get that concept. It's pretty, pretty important, all right? And we'll find out a bit more about that later. All right, so we need to go to the punchline now. Is everyone ready? We're going to see how we, uh, how we stacked up here. So what that's saying is, take the weekly column, our draft budget is $208 in deficit. So implementing this budget would mean that we're living beyond our means. All right, so we've got a bit of work to do. All right, and that's okay. Okay, your first cut, if you come out with this answer, it's not a bad answer, it's just an answer. And we need to go to the next step which is balancing your budget. All right, so three things. We need to reflect on our objectives and priorities. Really, really important. So go back to the first thing you did, have a think about what were the, the sort of the general principles, um, what are the priorities that drove my first cut? Even though I, I said to you, your first cut is really a little bit looking in the rear vision mirror, looking over the last month, few months. Um, I would have expected that through that process you would have already been thinking about your priorities and what you want your budget to look like going forward. Now's the time to have a reflect on that, okay? Am I clear on how I want to be spending my money 
over the next period. Have a look through your budget, have a look at the numbers, and start applying some thought around needs, wants, luxuries, you know, just start to think about, well, have I got the numbers in the right place? So if I'm renting, I need to continue to rent. There's no other option, really, a viable option at the moment um, around my um, living arrangement. That's a need, okay? So we can lock that in and move it down. Um, or you may come to the conclusion of, you know what, maybe uh, the two of us just sharing here isn't viable going forward. Maybe I need to look for a share house where my rent is lower or maybe for a season I need to move back in with mum and dad or whatever it might be, okay? So there are things start to start to think about. So things that may, up to a certain point, up to that point, have appeared to you, viewed by you as needs, maybe they're not needs, maybe they're wants, and you just need to um, readjust your thinking. But always do that as part of your reflection around your objectives and your priorities. And then lastly, I find this a useful question, this is something I stole from Cap, which is have, asking yourself the question, have I considered the possibility of? Okay, so I've got to a line item in my budget and I'm looking at it thinking, hmm, good question to ask yourself. Have I considered the possibility of having only one coffee a day rather than two? Have I considered the possibility of maybe moving out of a two-share rental arrangement into a share house where the rent will be lower? Have I considered the possibility of? Just a useful question to have in your mind. Um, as you go through through this process. All right, we still good? Yep. yep. All right, so what I've done here is um, I've taken the draft budget and I've fiddled some numbers. Now, this is just, I've, just a maths game for me because this is a <laughs> fictitious person. Um, and I have gone through and made some adjustments. Um, and obviously I've fiddled it to get an answer. But here we go. All right. So we're now, we're now in the black rather than the red, which is good news. But weekly we're only $5 in the black. Now, being in the black's good. Whether $5 in the black is good or bad, I probably won't comment at this point. But um, the purpose of the exercise is do your draft, looking in the rear vision mirror, do your, your balancing of your budget, looking out the windscreen, and the aim is to get to that point where you're living within your means. So one thing I didn't talk about, and no one asked me the question, is when you come to balancing your budget, as well as pushing your expense down, you can push your income up, okay? Now, I deliberately didn't put that in here because I actually don't know if I've got a lot to say about it. Um, your income and your job and changing jobs and doing jobs on the side and taking on casual work and whatever, you, know, you guys are all smart enough to figure out you know, those options. But again, you know, the one thing I would say is it all comes back again to your objectives and your priorities. So if your priority is to be at Anchor every Sunday, it's to be at GC every Wednesday night, but I could get a part-time job which would you know, 
conf conflict with either or both of those, what's my decision? Okay? So they're the things you sort of got to, got to balance up. All right? Um, but I didn't want this to be a sort of how to make money sort of session. So that's why I sort of steered clear of, of the income side. All right? But of course, it's basic maths. You push your income up. Your expense doesn't have to come down as, as much. All right? All right. Balanced budget. What's coming up next? All right. So oh, this is really just... Uh, <laughs> I was going to take this one out, but I thought I'll leave it there, add a bit of colour. All right, so, um, so surplus bad, we've got to get from that, <coughs> and we've got to, excuse me, <coughs> we've got to get down to a place where we have a, um, we have a surplus. So surplus means we're just earning more than we're spending, okay, including savings, yeah. All right. Now, maybe I should make a comment on the $5. So, look, depending on your circumstance, depending on the, um, the consistency of your income, so those of you that are in salaried jobs and you know um, what your pay is going to be every fortnight or every month, um, you know, maybe a $5 surplus in your budget isn't a bad thing. But if you have variability in your income, you know, you work casual, you're not quite sure how many shifts you're going to get or whatever, um, $5 is probably cutting it a bit fine and you maybe need to, um, yeah, you need to reconstruct. You need to go around the block again, do another revision of your budget to try and figure out how you can um, uh, get that surplus up and then that then leads into the next question, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, which is around, you know, how do I um, or should I, do I need to, um, perhaps provision for the lumpiness in my income, okay? Um, so do I need to put a little bit away when maybe I've got more shifts so that when I have fewer, um, I've actually got something to pay the bills, all right? But that's, we'll talk about that when we get to the, um, the system for how we make our budget work, all right? Okay, how are we going? Um, Objectives and priorities we've talked about. We've now got a balanced budget um, and we're now going to move to the next step, which is a system that will implement your budget. Now, I was thinking about this this morning and I thought of two um, compares, two analogies, two examples. And the first one is um, dieting. Now, I've never been on a diet in my life, so I don't know what I'm talking about here. But um, from watching TV, from reading magazines, newspapers, I gather that when the trend these days is when people go on, uh, on diets, they decide I'm going to go on a diet and then they hook into a system. You know, they'll sign up for something that will drive the discipline to get to the outcome. Okay? They don't just leave it to chance okay? or I'm going to try really hard. You know? That's not the, the, the trend today. Um, so budgeting was one, uh, sorry, dieting was one. The other one, exercise, same thing. I'm going to get fitter, I'm going to get healthier, um, and I'm just going to try really hard. Yeah, that's, people just realise that that's a losing strategy today. Okay? I've got to have a system that actually helps me um, fulfil fulfill this objective. So when I use system, don't, don't think I'm, I'm definitely not talking IT type stuff, I'm just talking some structure um, that will drive a discipline that will fulfil the intent of, of what you, you're trying to do here, which is to actually um, manage your money well, 
to be grateful, to be generous. All right. You know the trend now, it's just circles with words in it, no dot points. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, a system that will implement your budget. Three things, of course. You've got to automate your regular payments. Now, we'll get into some, a little bit of detail on how, how this works, but let me explain how, how I do it. Because when we talk systems, there's not one system, there's, there's multiple. You can do this many ways. And it's probably best viewed as a maturity curve. Um, so what I'm going to talk to you about here is more sort of entry-level system. Um, I was talking to someone at GC the other night about what I was going to talk about. Um, and they said, oh, yeah, we do this, that and the other. And I went, well, yeah, that's great. I said, how's it work for you? They said, it works really well. Um, and I said, but you have the maturity and discipline to be able to make that work and make it work um, going forward. So what they were doing was they were basically um, provisioning for all of their bills. They were paying all their bills on their credit card to earn points and then they were using their provision to pay the credit card bills on time so they didn't pay interest. Great, great system. But um, you've got to have gone through an entry level before you mature to that level. Um, anyone that jumps from, you know, heck, I'm all over the place, to that level, you're going to fail, I can tell you right now, okay? So automate your regular payments. So what I do, what Terry and I do is, I get paid on the 13th of the month, um, and if you look at my bank statement, on the 14th and 15th, there's all these deductions all going out the door, okay? And it's not just, um, so anything that, um, any bills that are, can be paid through BPAY, so um, things like electricity, water, um, phone, internet, all those sort of stuff. Um, the ones that you, you push the money to the provider, I just have all those automatically set up. And even when they're, they're variable in nature, albeit not um, widely variable, so our electricity bill between summer and winter, because only two of us in an apartment, doesn't vary that much. So I, I just push money, and when the bill comes in, I go, oh, look, we're $3 in credit. And, you know, or it's, yeah. All right, so automate your regular payments. So you've already decided, because you've finalised your budget, the things that you, are, you know you need to spend money on, they're in your budget, you need the system that's going to make them work. So automate your regular payments is the first one. Second one is provision your irregular and infrequent payments. So we talked about, um, when we were doing our first draft budget, we talked about gifts, we talked about car maintenance, we talked about rego, we talked about, um, no, no, what did we talk about? Those sort of things. You need to be every single pay cycle, so whether it's weekly, fortnightly or monthly, you need to be provisioning for those things. So in simple terms, all you're doing is you're taking money, you're sticking it into a bucket over here, so that eventually when the expense arises, oh, hello, the money's there. Okay, and you're not going, my rego's due next week and I can't afford it. What happens then? The credit cards are out and chaos rules. All right, so we've automated our regular payments. So I like the term set and forget. I don't know if you're familiar with that term. Okay, set and forget. So I never, I set it once, I do the revision regularly. We'll go and talk, we'll talk about that later. But I, I just don't think about it because I've all, I already know it's part of my plan that on the 15th of the month 
I push money out to there, I push money out to there, I push money out to there. All right? We provision, so we're going to talk about where we provision to. We'll get to that in a minute. And then lastly, really, really important, we've got to have a system that caps what I term our cash spending. All right? Because you can be good on, num on the first and the second. If you're bad on the third, you're going to end up in a bad place. All right? Okay, we better... All right, so here's our system. Now, this system is actually the system that CAP advocate, but it's common sense in my mind, so um, happy to share it with you here. All right, so all your income comes into one place. Now, what I don't want to talk about today, because I can't advise you on it, is um, married couples, do you have separate accounts and you, do you sort of share and all that sort of stuff. I'm assuming here you do, okay? If you don't want to do that, um, I'm happy to talk to you offline about how you might uh, um, adapt this model to that situation. So what this assumes is that all your income from all sources comes into one place, which is your primary account, all right? All of your regular payments come out, as we talked about, all right, so most of those will be, um, will be pushes. Um, in my case, um, I've chosen with most of my insurances to move them to monthly, so my insurance company actually pulls the money, okay? So it's like a direct debit, okay? You understand the push-pull sort of analogy, okay? So with my electricity, I push the money to Energy Australia. With my insurance, NRMA pull it from me on a certain day of the month, all right? So all those things are there, they're locked and loaded, they're sort of set and forget. All right, what we then do, the savings component of our budget, we push to a savings account. All right, and I'll talk about banking just in a minute. So this is all of the, the savings and all of the provisions. All right, so we've decided, um, let's say our, our rego is $1,200, so and we're working on a monthly mindset for our budget, we're going to push $100 to that account every month. All right? So that when the bill comes for the rego of $1,200, we've got the money and we, can, and we can pay it. Now, just quickly just touching on banking, and I'm no banking expert, and I'm not, um, I'm not giving you uh, absolute advice here, but my research tells me that if you're below 25, you get those two accounts for free from most of the banks. If you deposit at least $2,000 into your primary account per month, you get both of those accounts for free, meaning no, no, no charges, okay? So we're good thus far from a, from a banking perspective. Now, with internet banking, this stuff is made really, really easy. You guys in your generation, there is absolutely no excuse for not getting this right. Um, yeah, when I was your age, this was a lot harder, a lot harder um, to do. Um, it is easy as today. You just need to commit some time, get yourself through the process and get it in and um, you'll find it'll work for you. All right, so from the savings and provision account, we're paying our red Joe. That wedding's coming up next weekend, we go and buy the gift, that's where the money comes from. Now, generally speaking, the way the banks work is you can't actually push directly from your savings account 
Yeah. So, not sure, this might have a laser actually, but so what you need to do is push it up to here and then push it across. Internet banking, easy as. All right? So the, the, the path the money flows is not the complex bit here. The complex bit is making sure the money's there to flow. All right? Okay, then lastly, the cash account. Now, this is where Cap and I have a slight difference of opinion. Cap, anyone done Cap, by the way? Yeah. So what Cap advocate is they actually advocate cash, like paper, in your money, uh, in your hand. And so what they suggest is that every cycle, so whether your cycle's weekly, it's fortnightly or monthly, that you actually go to the ATM, let's say it's weekly, it's probably the easiest, and you actually take that line in your budget that is the aggregate of, you know, you're just your, you know, your coffees and your lunches at work and whatever, and you, um, and you take the money out and you stick it in your wallet and then you pay and when it's gone, it's gone. Now, Terry and I don't do that. So let me explain how we do it because that might make it um, a bit easier to understand. We actually have two accounts. So we have a Terry Cash account and a Chris Cash account. And yes, we do pay bank fees on them, okay? Six, five, $5 a month, $60 a year. In my view, that's money well spent, okay? Because um, if I wasn't doing it that way, I think I would struggle to stick to my, my cash budget, all right? So we have our own accounts. I call mine my pocket money account. All right, so an amount goes in there every Friday and um, I've just changed banks because I decided I wanted to use Apple Pay, so I'm actually now with ANZ, but that's not an ad for ANZ. Um, and so I just tap with my phone and I can, you know, you guys know, you can check your balance at any time, it's easy as, and then I can just watch how I'm going. And I'll get to Thursday and I'll think, oh, I think I'll go and get my hair cut, $15. Oh, gee, there's only 14 in there. Well, I'll have to wait till Saturday. Okay? And so, me at my age, being reasonably financially secure, um, it's still a good discipline. Okay? And I joke, I've worked with a lot of young folks, and, you know, I talk about my pocket money account, they all laugh at me. But that's what it is. It's, it's, a, it's, it's my pocket money account. So, I buy my morning coffee, I... Um, I... Uh, buy my lunch when Terry doesn't make my lunch for me. <laughs> and, you know, I'll get my hair cut. I, yeah, just those random little things, all right? Now, Terry, the way we've structured is Terry's pocket money account is actually much bigger than a pocket money account because she gets all the grocery money. So every week on the Friday, I, we transfer X amount into her account and, you know, she gets her hair done, her nails done, whatever it is. Um, and she does the groceries, all right? Now, what becomes interesting is when we go for every Saturday morning, we go to the gym, and then we go and have breakfast at the same place, and it's always, who's paying today? <laughs> you know? So whose who's pocket money account are we paying from? All right, so... Um, okay, so where did we start? Objectives and priorities, we need to think about what's driving us as we enter into this process, what's driving us as we review going forward. We've got to have a balanced budget, so we go through two steps, we do the first draft, then we look at the bottom line and go, oh, that's not good, and we 
go around and do a revision reflecting on our objectives and priorities. And then lastly, most importantly, you've got to have a system that will implement it. Try hard, won't work. I can guarantee you of that. Okay, I've been there, I've seen others go there, it doesn't work. You've got to have a system and you know, the risk of being harsh, there is no excuse in 2018. The technology just makes it so easy for you to have, to have a system. All right, let's very quickly um, just talk about review and adjust. So I think if you've sort of followed what I've talked about here, you'll, you'll, you'll get the need to review and adjust. It's a set, you, you need to sort of approach your system with a view that it's a set and forget, but it's not really. You need to be watching how things are going. In other words, is my intent being fulfilled based on my budget and based on how I've implemented it? Um, and really, when your circumstances change, that's the key thing, all right? So if your income goes up, your income goes down, you have unexpected expense or you're able to dispense with an expense. In other words, you don't have it anymore. Um, go and adjust it, all right? Because as it falls out of date <clears throat> and doesn't get adjusted for your circumstance, you'll find that you'll get back on the slippery slope, okay? Back to sort of financial management chaos. All right, where did we start? We started with grateful and generous. So that's sort of where I want to leave it. Um, yeah, most of what I've covered in the middle has obviously been sort of quite secular in, um, in content. You know, I could be talking to any group of 20 and 30 year olds anywhere and I'd say exactly the same things. But I guess for you guys, as we think about radical money and what that means for us um, in being grateful to God for what he's given us um, and being generous with what we've been given, um, no matter how you know, if we feel as though our situation is, um, you know, we don't have a lot, um, you know, we all know, I don't need to tell you guys, you can still be generous when you don't have much. Um, but it's very, very difficult to be generous when you're not in control of, um, of what God has given you. Um, and that's really, a, I guess, a responsibility, accountability that we have um, to him. Thank you.